This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single-line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single-line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You're listening to Unexplained, Season 6, Episode 31. Every story is a ghost story, Part 2 of 3. Hoping to catch whatever it was making the noise in the attic, Jeff wasted no time in jumping back up to the hatch and peeking through it to take a few more pictures. My God, I can see it, he cried with astonishment. It looked, he said, like two small balls of light seemingly hovering about at the back of the attic. As Jeff kept his eye on them, Barry pulled the cord for the laundry room light, turning it off with a click as Jackie switched off the kitchen light just to check if the apparent orbs weren't merely reflections of something else. Now with the house in near darkness, Jeff looked about the attic again, but was disappointed to find the lights had gone. But then, something moved out of the corner of his eye. Jeff saw with terror what appeared to be a large shape moving in the dark. Watching as it darted in closer, Jeff quickly ducked back down and closed the hatch lid behind him. When someone hurriedly turned the lights back on, a stunned-looking Jeff was revealed, standing under the attic hatch, seemingly speechless at what he'd just witnessed. Jeff jumped down from the washing machine and winced when he felt a shooting pain running down his back. He pulled up his shirt to find just where he'd felt something forcibly pushing at him in the attic minutes ago a large red mark that was quickly swelling up while the muscle around it was slowly beginning to bruise. With all the commotion having died down, 
Barry looked again at the battery light on his camera that throughout it all had stayed resolutely red, only to find it had now turned green. It was close to 3am before they wrapped up for the night and said their goodbyes. As they drove home, Barry and Jeff couldn't contain their excitement at what they'd just witnessed. Veteran paranormal investigator Dr. Taff had also left in no doubt that something extraordinary was taking place in Jackie Hernandez's bungalow. Later, as the Hollywood Hills loomed up ahead, Barry and Jeff made a quick stop at a local 24-hour photography lab and dropped off Jeff's film for processing. It would be 4.30am, before they finally made it home. After loading in their equipment, Barry offered Jeff a spot on his living room floor before slumping into bed himself. Hours later, as a golden dawn light blanketed the city, Jeff began to stir in his sleep. Barry was woken by a horrifying scream coming from the living room. Rushing to Jeff's aid, he found his friend trembling under the blankets and pointing to the back wall. He'd just seen something hideous, he said, like the corpse of an elderly man, just like the figure that Jackie had claimed to have seen in her apartment. As Jeff steadily began to calm down, Barry nervously scanned the room, but found no sign of the apparition. The fear deeply etched on Jeff's face was enough to convince him that whatever his friend had seen had at least been very real to him. The following afternoon, they collected the photographs and sat together in the van, picking through them with disappointment as one after another revealed nothing but dark, empty space. But then, having almost made it through the whole roll, they found something peculiar. In the right-hand corner of one of the photos, they could clearly see the spotlight they'd placed behind the camera, highlighting the beams of the attic roof. In the left-hand corner, however, unrelated to the spotlight, was an unaccountable ball of light that seemed to be caught mid-movement as it travelled through the air. That's it, thought Jeff. Convinced it was one of the balls of light that he'd seen in the attic. Relieved they had something to show for their unsettling night at Jackie's home, they also knew it wasn't nearly enough. If they were to have any chance of convincing anyone that something genuinely supernatural was occurring, they would need far more than that. A few days after Barry and Jeff had visited Jackie's home, she and her good friend Susan Castaneda were returning to Jackie's bungalow, having been out shopping, when Jackie had the distinct feeling that something wasn't right. Pulling open the front door, she was devastated to find the house in a complete state of disarray, as if someone had just ransacked the place. Bedding and clothes were strewn about all over, 
while in the kitchen, plates and glasses that had previously been stacked away were now sitting out on all the surfaces. The deeply shaken Jackie wasted no time in tending to the mess in the living room, while Susan headed to the kitchen to put away some groceries. As she would later explain to Barry, she'd just begun to stock the cupboards when she jumped suddenly at the sound of a large bang, which was quickly followed by the sound of things scattering across the floor. Looking up, she realised the noise must have come from the fridge, as if someone had just then slammed the door of it shut right next to her. Then she saw what must have fallen from it, a bunch of alphabet magnets that were now liberally scattered over the linoleum floor. Susan gasped at the sight of the letters G and O lying side by side, spelling the word GO. Over the next few weeks, Barry fielded numerous calls from an increasingly desperate Jackie, convinced that the apparent haunting was intensifying. Now shadows were being seen swimming on the ceiling, as well as inexplicable flashes of light all around the property. She'd also been hearing a weird noise, as if someone unseen were taking long, deep breaths while standing next to her in the house. With Jeff needing a few weeks to recover from the injuries sustained in the attic, and still a little haunted by the terrifying vision he'd apparently witnessed in Barry's apartment, it wasn't until a few weeks later that the pair returned together to Jackie's home, this time without Dr. Taff. When they arrived at the bungalow that night, they found an already frantic and agitated Jackie being comforted by Susan. It was clear that due to whatever had been happening since their last visit, Jackie had not been sleeping well. After conducting another short interview with her, Barry and Jeff left to investigate the attic space again, while Jackie headed off to check on her children. Moments later, a piercing scream was heard coming from the bedroom. Barry and Jeff rushed through to find a tearful Jackie slumped down on the bedroom floor, claiming that something had pushed her to the ground. Unsure what to make of it, the men were just helping her out onto the porch to get some fresh air, when another cry rang out from inside the house. Barry and Jeff ran straight back inside to find Susan standing next to a built-in dresser at the back of the living room with an odd look on her face. Something's coming out of the walls, she cried, pointing at the dresser's shelves. Jeff moved in for a closer look and directed a flashlight toward the back of the unit. Sure enough, something peculiar was dripping in large rust-coloured droplets from under the top of it. Barry hurriedly grabbed the video camera and shot some close-up images of the strange substance dripping down onto the shelf. Then Susan called out again, pointing to a cabinet adjoining the children's bedroom. Look here, there's more of it, she said. It was happening there too, 
a large yellowing pool of it collecting in the corner. The men checked the walls and the attic above for any sign of a leaking water source, but found nothing. They collected samples in plastic bags before packing up their gear and heading home for the night. The next day, Barry contacted Dr. Taff to get some advice on what exactly they might have found. Excited by the possibility of the samples, Dr. Taff made arrangements to have them chemically tested by an acquaintance of his who worked at a medical research lab in Westwood, California. A few days later, the results came back. The liquid was apparently, inexplicably, human blood plasma. The liquid in which blood cells are transported around the body. Sometime later, in late August, Jackie's friend, Chrissy Zivkovich, was staying over at Jackie's home when she was woken by the sound of Jackie bouncing excitedly around the living room, clicking away with a camera. From what Chrissy could make out, Jackie appeared to be taking pictures of the ceiling. What are you doing? she asked. Are you not seeing this? Jackie replied. Chrissy blinked out the sleep and rubbed her eyes, then looked again with amazement. Up near the ceiling, she saw what looked like two balls of light moving freely through the air. She glanced at the window, but was confused to discover that the shutters were completely closed, with no obvious sign of a light source coming from anywhere. For the next five minutes, Jackie continued taking photographs as the peculiar orbs circled each other, collided together as one, then broke apart again and vanished. When Jackie received the developed photos later that day, she was disappointed to find many of them had been discarded. The photo lab assistant saw little more than blurred shots of ceilings and walls, but of the few that came out well, the apparent orbs of light, although arguably appearing to be little more than pools of light reflecting on surfaces, were captured clearly. Jackie showed the snaps to Barry. For him, they were further justification for their time spent investigating the house. Ever diligent, however, he was keen to get a professional opinion and duly took the photos to Alan's custom photo lab in Hollywood to have the proprietor, Alan Weddertz, run his trained eyes over them. Though Alan wasn't quite prepared to jump on board with what Barry suspected, that Jackie shared her home with a real ghostly entity, his conclusion on inspecting the photographs was remarkable nonetheless. It was his professional opinion that whatever light Jackie had picked up was not reflective, nor the result of any camera trickery. In other words, it was its own source and things were only about to get weirder. As the strange events became more frequent, Jackie grew increasingly anxious for her and her children's safety. A few nights later, 
Unable to stand the thought of another night alone, Jackie begged Susan to stay with her and help her keep an eye on the children. Taking one look at her friend, Susan ordered Jackie to get some rest while she put the children to bed. Grateful to finally have some time for herself, Jackie decided to run a bath. With her eyes closed, she slipped down heavily into its comforting embrace. Lying submerged for a moment, as she let the warmth of the water soothe her tired body, she suddenly shot up, gasping for air, convinced that something was in there with her. Looking down in horror, as she explained it later, she saw two spheres of light moving about in the water. They tried to get me, she cried to Susan, as she ran into the living room, clutching a towel to her chest. After eventually settling her friend down on the sofa, Susan offered to take a look herself and nervously made her way to the bathroom. Finding nothing there, she turned back to the living room when a sudden breeze seemed to blow through the corridor. Susan froze. Sensing a presence behind her, she spun back to face the bathroom, but there was nothing there. With Jackie's increasingly fragile state, Susan decided to keep all that to herself. However, any hope of taking Jackie's mind off the whole thing soon disintegrated when later that night, the sound of those disembodied footsteps in the attic returned with a vengeance, keeping them up all night. By now, for Jackie and her children, the apparent haunting had become a constant and unrelenting nightmare. If it wasn't strange balls of lights appearing, or sinister scratching above the ceiling, it was the constant fear of what might happen next, and the unrelenting sense that something was out to get them. But leaving the property was completely out of the question, Raising two children on her own, with no job, Jackie, who was barely getting by on welfare checks and food stamps, had neither the energy nor the resources to find a new place as affordable as what she currently had. It was late one evening in September, when Barry, who had continued to visit the property periodically whenever he had the time, received yet another frantic call from the now perennially distraught Jackie. She'd woken up earlier in the night with the sensation of being choked and was calling from Susan's home, having been forced to seek shelter there. The hairs on Barry's neck raised as he sat in the quiet darkness of his apartment, listening to the anxious Jackie on the other end of the line. That night he was left in no doubt that whatever was going on in her home was demonstrating a clear malevolence toward its occupants. On the evening of Monday, September 4th, at 10.45pm, as Barry Conrad himself documented in the 2009 book he later wrote about the whole ordeal, an unknown encounter, a true account of the San Pedro haunting, Barry's phone rang again, while he did his best to calm her down, 
Jackie rattled off a litany of terrifying events that had reportedly just taken place that evening, from doors being slammed to toys in the children's bedroom being levitated and thrown across the room. At the time of the call, however, Barry was in the middle of an editing job with clients and so was unable to get out to the house. An hour later and the clients had gone home and Jeff and their mutual friend Gary Bohm had dropped by unexpectedly. Then Barry's phone rang for the third time that night. He put it on speaker for all of them to hear. I've got to get out of here, screamed Jackie before the line abruptly cut out. As the three men tried again to establish contact, it was another 20 minutes before they were able to get Jackie back on the line. She kept telling them that something was terrorizing her and her children and they needed to escape. Unable to ignore her any longer, Barry shouted back that they would come down and get her and her children immediately. Less than an hour later, Barry's tradesman Dodge pulled up outside the bungalow, coming to a skidding stop by the side of the road. Though their thoughts were for Jackie's safety, there was no question that they needed to make a record of what was happening. Hurriedly, they pulled their equipment from the van and squeezed through the narrow passage past the main house and on to Jackie's bungalow at the back. As the men arrived, Susan was just escorting Jackie's confused son onto the porch, followed moments later by a distressed Jackie holding her baby daughter in a carrier. Barry suggested they wait with him on the porch as Jeff and Gary darted ahead and made a beeline for the laundry room. As soon as they were inside the house, things felt different. Something in the atmosphere had shifted. With much of the strange activity appearing to focus on the ceiling and the attic space above, Jeff wasted little time in scrambling up through the attic hatch and scouring the space beyond. Gary joined him a moment later. With Barry's camera seemingly unable to work whenever strange activity occurred in the attic, he elected to film from the kitchen in the hope of capturing something down there instead. After waiting for the other two to get their footing above, he switched off the kitchen lights, then pulled the cord for the laundry room light and plunged them all into near darkness. Having just settled the kids on the porch, Susan and Jackie then appeared at the kitchen door, staring at something over Barry's head. Look, said Jackie. A peculiar light was moving around the laundry room. It eventually settled on the curtain of a windowed door that led into the garden. Barry pulled the camera to his shoulder, but before he could hit record, the light disappeared. Turning back to face Jackie and Susan, he was stunned by the sound of three loud clicks ringing out from the middle of the room as if someone had just snapped their fingers right next to him. 
Jackie and Susan, who both heard it too, looked uneasily toward Barry, each of them beginning to sense the same thing, that right at that moment, something they couldn't see was in the room with them. Did you guys hear that? shouted Barry to Jeff and Gary above. What did you say? came Jeff's muffled reply. Barry's heart raced as he turned on the camera and prepared himself for just whatever was going to happen next. Up in the attic, having heard the commotion downstairs, Jeff waved a flashlight around to see if anything might appear. There's nothing here, he said. But a moment later, Gary watched in horror as Jeff's flashlight suddenly cut out and everything went dark. Jeff! he cried out, but there was no reply. Stumbling blindly, Gary heard something shuffling just a few feet in front of him. Then with his eyes finally adjusted to the dark, Gary was just about able to make out Jeff leaning back against one of the roof beams, frantically clawing at his throat. Rushing to his side, it was only when Gary tried to pull him away that he realised there was a cord wrapped around Jeff's neck, attached to a nail on the wall. Unable to loosen it as Jeff choked, Gary used all his strength to push on the nail, bending it down until finally he was able to pull the cord free. The crew in the kitchen could only watch aghast as a stunned Jeff lowered himself gingerly from the attic and jumped down, seemingly too shocked to even notice the thin washing cord still wrapped around his neck. Oh my God, gasped Jackie. It tried to kill him. In a panic, she ran outside to check on her children. As Jeff stumbled forward in a complete daze, Barry's camera zoomed into the cord, where just underneath he could clearly see a red welt forming on Jeff's neck. Barry focused his camera back to the laundry room, where he then apparently noticed a strange ball of light in the viewfinder, but when he pulled his eye away, he saw nothing in the air in front of him. Just then, he was suddenly gripped by a strange sensation of electric shock, and his vision began to blur and tunnel. He was blacking out. Gary saw his friend wobbling and grabbed him just in time to help lower him to the ground. Meanwhile, Jackie, who was comforting her baby daughter, screamed, at the sight of a bizarre red mark, like a red thumbprint, that had just appeared on her baby's forehead. Arriving on the porch, just in time to get it on film, the others looked on, completely baffled as to what it was. A horrified Jackie rubbed it off, before bringing her baby tightly into her arms. Barry could only look on in stunned disbelief, as Jackie sat on the porch in a horrified silence, gently rocking back and forth with her baby. Looking back to the bungalow, he ordered everyone to vacate the property, 
immediately. You've been listening to Unexplained, Season 6, Episode 31, Every Story is a Ghost Story. The third and final part will be released next Friday, April 14th. This episode was written by Richard McLean Smith. Unexplained is an AV Club Productions podcast created by Richard McLean Smith. All other elements of the podcast, including the music, are also produced by Richard McLean Smith. Unexplained the book and audiobook, featuring stories that have never before been featured on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones, among other bookstores. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.